0: Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here's Paladin Financial Talk.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of Paladin Financial Talk. I'm Nikki Foley and I couldn't be more excited to be here with Mr. Tony Shore as our co-host and Judah Day. He is a partner, a friend, somebody that we're actually consulting with right now and uh, we couldn't be more excited to have you here. I know both of you for 10 plus years now and so to be able to be together on this show is a good day for me.
0: Yeah, it's great to be here. Judah, I am so excited you're here. Uh, Nikki and I see each other all the time, but Judah, I haven't seen you in a while, and it's always fun. I can't wait to hear what you have for us today. How have you been?
2: Hey, doing great. Good to hear you, Tony. You as well, Nikki. and glad to be on the show with you.
1: Hey, did you guys notice I kept a little suspense in there? I didn't really introduce who Judah is and why he's partnering, and that was purposeful. We're going to talk a little bit about it at the end, so I'm keeping it under wraps, although if you're listening to the show, there's going to be some context clues here on what Judah Is partnering with us on. So let me tell you though a little bit about Judah and our relationship. He has a long history in the financial services industry and therefore that's where where we know him and why we have spent time together. But what is important about Judah and his role is that he has spent significant time focused on benefits that the federal government offer and how they might impact someone's financial situation. And so that can be complex and so having a partner like Judah is an important piece for for us as a financial services organization to make sure that we are doing the best that we can for our listeners and for those that uh, our clients that we're partnering with.
2: Did yeah, you... and you know, Nikki, with what you said kind of before, like over the years, my role has been, it's changed a lot, but government benefits change all the time. So primarily what I'm trying to do is make sure I get a good understanding of government benefits, how those benefits can help customers, consumers, people, Beneficiaries, so they can navigate the complexities of it all. Because let's be honest, it's not always easy understanding government benefits.
0: Wait, you're telling us that uh, today's topic is complex. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Exactly right. Complex is absolutely it. And Judah has trained hundreds of both consumers as well as other financial professionals on the topics of government benefits and as he said before it has spanned a variety of benefits from Social Security to veterans uh, aid that is out there and includes things like the Medicare program and so we couldn't be more excited to have him as a partner and uh, be a resource for us along the way. So with my with Judy here and his help today we are going to talk about Medicare and okay. all of its parts and some of the uh, additional tools and, and products and strategies that are available that surround this benefit. So uh, I'm excited about this topic, and uh, let's let's dig in here, guys.
0: Well, as I understand it, Medicare, obviously, it's health insurance. My parents are both on Medicare, and it's for people 65 or older. Uh, I guess it also covers under 65, too, in some cases. Is that right, Judah?
2: Yeah, that's right. So some people, it depends on the situation. If they're disabled, right? They've qualified for social security disability. They can get Medicare. Maybe they have end stage renal disease, kidney failure, ALS. So there's a few situations where people under age 65 can get on Medicare, but usually it's not due to good circumstances. It's good to, it's because of challenges or other, you know, issues that they're having in their life or challenges that they need help overcoming.
1: Exactly. And so our focus today really is on that population that is 65 and older, Uh, not necessarily on the disability side of things, but I got to step back into my role of HR and some of the history that I've had with medical benefits. I have to ask both of you, have either of you found in your lifetime that choosing your medical benefits can be somewhat complex or confusing along the way and the more plans and the more things you have going on in your life adds to that complexity? Either of you on that one?
0: Well, I'm not ashamed to admit that i find it extremely complex and confusing right uh and my wife is still asking sarah and i sit down and we're like okay um what's the difference between the deductible and the out of pocket and you get all these numbers and we're trying to understand which choice is going to be the best for our situation it's tough isn't it judah
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I'm a consultant, so I'm self-employed, so I have to figure out my own insurance, so I'm kind of working through the system itself. I'm in the industry, I've been in this industry for 24 years, Sure and still have a hard time occasionally like figuring through all the deductibles, networks, co-pays and all of that. So it is a challenge.
1: I'm with you, I've been in this, I have done this, I understand the lingo and I still pull out my spreadsheet and I nerd out in it to make sure that I have it all figured out when in fact, there's so many variables that you don't have figured out. But I think what's important out of this is we find it difficult choosing your the medical side of things. I think about what weighs on you as you are you know age 65 you may be on a fixed income and it could be a period in your lifetime where you're having declining health and potentially some major medical expenses and so that's that's ups the stakes the stakes are higher in this situation and so It's really important that I think the education and partnering to make sure you have a resource to work with is is um, a key piece of making sure you make good decisions around uh, Medicare and the options available to you.
2: Yeah, I agree. And what happens is, is if you don't have the expertise or don't know it yourself which, you know, we just talk about how challenging it is. Even for me, I'm in the industry, this is what I do. You really wanna partner with a professional or somebody who can help you kinda of go down the basics, get it all figured out. Medicare is complex, uh, which it boggles my mind sometimes. It's, it's supposed to be easy for us. And just to give you kind of a basic idea of if we're just talking about Medicare, there's four primary parts to Medicare. Um, there's part A that's hospitalization. So like you're admitted into a hospital, there's part B. Uh, that's like if you talk to a doctor, uh, if you're talking to a person, that's where part B usually comes into play. There's part C, which part C is like privatized, uh, insurance or privatized Medicare, where you're not using part A and B of Medicare anymore. You're kind of opting out and you're choosing a Medicare advantage plan. And then there's part D. So part D is your drugs, uh, getting insurance once you're on Medicare, getting a drug plan. So there's really four primary parts to it, and they all have their own nuances and complexities. So A, B, C, and D are the four primary parts of Medicare, all with their own benefits and ways of working through the system.
0: Wow. And I've heard even there's part F and there's others. But they don't cover the whole alphabet. They skip letters. Uh, But it sounds, it reminds me of when I was a kid, used to go to my grandma's house and she'd serve us the Campbell's alphabet soup. (laughs) And we'd try to find, make the letters in our soup spell things. Uh, That's alphabet soup, if I've ever heard of it.
1: I hope that we're not going through all of these in details, or we might be here past our 30 minutes. We only
0: have, uh, we have less than 30 minutes.
1: (laughs) Well, that's perfect, Uh, Tony. Alphabet soup, very applicable here. And Judah, thank you for going through those in a high level. So part A being the hospital, part B being the doctor and outpatient services, and part C I think there's probably a lot of depth that we can go into that in that area and we'll try to keep it as simple as as possible for our listeners and then Part D being the prescriptions and then I think lumping all the, all the other letters together might be a good way to say that because they really focus on Medigap coverage and we'll go through that. So let's take Part A and make it keep it simple here, but that is your hospital insurance as Judah described earlier and that's going to cover your inpatient care at a hospital but it's also going to cover critical ass excuse me critical access hospitals or skilled nursing what that isn't and I think this is an important piece as people go through this it is not your long term cuff coverage that some people may think when they hear skilled nursing that is for a specific period of time more of like a recovery type situation however it does get into the hospice side of things and maybe some home health care as well so hospital is the key word there right one of the things judah i have heard and i think we'll we'll go through this here in a bit is oftentimes part a needs to be supplemented in some way and we'll talk through part b and how that plays a role with part a But there is potentially a need for some supplement that goes along with Part A because it doesn't cover everything. My understanding, though, is that it's free for most people because they have spent a lifetime working and therefore paying taxes as it relates to Medicare. So your Medicare taxes. And so if you have worked 40 consecutive quarters or 10 years, then you will receive Part A for free. So a nice government benefit there from an enrollment perspective uh, and judah correct me if i am inaccurate on anything that i'm saying here but from an enrollment perspective if you're already signed up for social security then you automatically get enrolled in part a it's in the event that you're not signed up for social security that you might have action that you need to take and actually make sure that you get signed up and um that that that's a done deal also if you haven't worked those 40 consecutive quarters, it's also important to know that you're still eligible for it. However, you may have to pay something. And so just knowing how some of this, this works is key. Another piece of it, once you get past the enrollment piece, is the auto-enroll. So once you have, have, have it in place, auto-enroll on an annual basis. Judah, anything that you think is necessary to go through in addition to kind of the high level of what Part A is?
2: You know I think you got most of the high level what I would say is you know somebody's automatically enrolled in part a and b if they get social security but more and more people are seeing probably through good advice from financial service professionals like yourself is that maybe they shouldn't enroll in social security right away so that means if they're retired or don't have health insurance they have to take action to enroll in medicare particularly part b it's not automatic So that's kind of a nuance that some people don't think about is if they're not collecting social security, you have to do something to enroll in Medicare. And if you don't do something and get signed up, there could be penalties. So there's a little bit of a tricky play when it comes to Medicare and that part of it.
1: Judah I'll make this quick but thank you for pointing that out this morning I was meeting with a client and she was deciding to take her Social Security benefits not hers but uh, she's a widow and so taking her her husband's benefits but it really is a situation of what comes first here so once she makes the decision to do that she has to be aware of how much income she's making and she also if she reduces her hours then her health insurance changes and so there's a lot of moving parts and so recognizing that's not just a passing comment that judah made it's one that's important as you think logically through how this is going to go right yes i'm going to turn 65 but maybe i'm not taking social security until full retirement age or later triggering this is is a key piece so thank you judah for that
2: yeah that's a big part of it and and it goes both ways too nikki because if you are on social security but you have health insurance for part-time work or things like that. Well, maybe you don't want part B of Medicare, but you do want part A. So they don't always have to work together. Sometimes they're separate and B is optional. You don't have to have part B. So you gotta keep dancing the dance and the more you work with a professional that knows information about this and can help you, the better off you are and the less likely you are gonna make mistakes in that enrollment process.
1: Yeah, that's good, Judah, all good information. Go through part B so our listeners can have a high level of what that is.
2: So, so part B, if, if you think about part B, uh, saying it's a compliment to part A is, is in most cases true. So part B is if you're dealing, as you mentioned earlier, Nikki, kind of the outpatient services. So you're, uh, I think of A is like you're admitted, it's room and board for mostly a building, a location. Part B has to do with the services you're being provided by a generally speaking medical professional. So uh, you don't go into a hospital and not see a doctor. In fact, to go into a hospital, you have to be admitted by somebody. Even if you go in through the emergency room, you, it might be attached to a hospital, but you have to see a doctor to then be admitted into it. So B is the medical services. Um, any kind of time you have outpatient care, that's gonna be related to part B. Um, so things that part A doesn't cover, will also be under Part B of Medicare, generally speaking. So you've got things like preventative services. So if you go for regular exams, you go for labs, tests, screenings, all of those things. Now there's other optional uh, tests that you might have to go through when you're looking at Medicare, uh, Part B or you're just trying to get healthcare. That would generally fall under Part B. So again, when you're seeing a person, it's Part B. B now when it comes to costs because that's what everybody's always interested in like what's the deductibles how much does everything cost so generally speaking it's $164 a month for most people to have Part B and that rate changes every year usually up not down but you know if you if you have lower income it can go down for people that are on Medicaid or getting you know some form of subsidized income that usually is taken directly from your Part B, A part B is usually taken directly from your social security check. So most people never even like pay for it out of pocket. It's coming right from their social security benefit. If you're not getting social security though, you have to pay for it. So they have different options where you can get a draft, get a bill, pay for a credit card, whatever the case is, however you want to actually pay for that. Sure. And the
0: cost Um, you mentioned, Judah, $164 uh, approximately for most people this year, and they announced the change for next year, and that's $174, isn't
2: it? Yep. And, and it usually goes up, right? So sometimes people will get a cola with their social security, you know, their social security goes up a little bit. Well, guess what also oftentimes goes up (laughs) the cost of Medicare part B, right? So the whole joke is just kind of, yeah, sure. Thanks for the cola. Now raise our Medicare part B premiums, which eats up a good chunk, if not all of that cola, which can happen to people. Sure.
1: Judy, your description, I'm being the visual person that I am, the description of having the Part A be the box, and then what happens once you get inside of the box is you have to work with people, you have to do something, and that's where Part B comes in. That was an excellent description, helped me a lot.
2: Yeah, good, and what, in addition to that, Nikki, what can be a challenging that a lot of people don't kind of understand conceptually is, let's say um, you don't enroll for Part B of Medicare, and you don't have credible coverage. Well, what the government does is they say, well, you're gonna have a penalty. We're gonna charge you a penalty for every you know, year that you're not signed up for Part B of Medicare if you don't have good credible coverage and you'll have to pay a penalty and the penalty isn't some short penalty, it's for your life. So you may have to pay penalties on Part B for your life if you don't enroll at the proper time frame, or even make a mistake and forget to enroll or you enroll in Part B and lose initial enrollment period. So there's some complexities that come with it.
1: You know, one, Judah, that I think happens, um, or we have seen our clients as they're in a state of transition is maybe they weren't planning to retire, but they're on that cusp of that age and they, they can afford to do it. They aren't taking action on some of these things that have a two-month timeframe on it or, you know, an eight weeks or whatever it might be. And they can get themselves into a situation where that penalty kicks in and it is for a lifetime. And so being on top of this is a really key piece and eight weeks can go by really quite quickly. So uh, that's a good point to make. So I'm going to keep us moving here. Again, Part B, once you sign up for it, it is also a situation where it auto renews. So once you you take the time to do something, you're in pretty good shape unless you want to make some changes. And we'll come back to that here in a bit. But Part D, as Judah had described earlier, is that prescription drug coverage. And it is available to anyone that is that has Medicare regardless of income, health status, or their current usage, and I think that's an important piece to point out. And the cost, as you can imagine, is going to vary by the specific drugs that are needed and the type of coverage that they need, and then they pay the monthly premium, like we've discussed before with Part A and Part B, or Part B specifically. Uh, So the enrollment piece of that, again, much like Judah had described, is there could be a late enrollment penalty for this piece as well if you don't sign up. And this is where, and Juno, I'll ask for your support on this as necessary, but if somebody doesn't have prescriptions that they're using, what is going to be their default answer? I don't need Part D. Well, that's not exactly how this works. So imagine if you're six months later, you don't normally need a prescription, but in the event that you do, either temporary or for long-term, you have not signed up for that coverage. And so it's really important to look at this as a um almost a placeholder that will allow you to then have coverage when it's necessary. And so don't overlook, just because you don't need a prescription today, it's still important that you go through that enrollment process. And if not, again, like Judah described, you're gonna be facing a long-term penalty, potentially, um, as you do that. Judah, anything to add to that or something that I might might have missed there?
2: You know, I think there's a couple of things that you've really touched on. Number one, that penalty. If I'm not taking medications, and I turn 65 or I get on Medicare and I say, I'm not taking medications right now, I don't need it. It's a 1% penalty per month that keeps rolling up until you finally get one. And that 1% penalty also sticks with you for life. So in one calendar year, you can build up a substantial penalty that just carries on for your life. In addition to that, let's say, as you describe, Nikki, you need it halfway through the year. I'm not on any medications. I say, no, I don't need a drug plan. I don't need anything. Halfway through the year, I'm sick. I need to get on a major medication. Now I do. I'm without coverage. So there's a danger in not getting one. People say, I want to save a little bit of money right now. Well, it may cost you big time ways down the road. So that's something to consider, which is why you need a professional to help you through this process.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Judah, for putting that 1% uh, number. It makes it really real when you start adding some numbers to things and that can roll up quite quickly, so that's great. Also with Part D, as we've talked about it, auto renews However, just like with things in life, as it changes, your medical and your prescription needs might change. And so that's a really important one that you review on that annual basis. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about enrollment periods here in a minute. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, but looking at that on an annual basis is an important piece. Tony, I'm going to put you on the spot here and hopefully you may may have nothing for me, but you have been caring for your parents, both who have been going through medical and facilities and things of that nature. Anything that we have talked about up to this point, either parts A, B, or D, that you feel like is worth sharing to our listeners?
0: Yeah, and I don't want to jump the shark, so to speak, or jump ahead, but uh, it is important to review. One, I just spent three days with my parents about a week ago going over this Uh, because of the time of year it is and the enrollment period and we're going to talk about that but that is critical and that's what I've noticed with my mom and my dad. My mom is in full-time care. Um, My dad isn't but he's needing more and more and they're each on separate plans and we met with uh, the head nurse, the director of nursing for her facility which is top-notch. It's highly rated in the state And she said, the plan your mother is on is great if you need long-term care. The plan your father is on, uh, I just asked her advice. And she goes, now is the time to switch him over because that will not work as well with long-term care so it makes a big difference and what Medigap policy they have and which provider and there are a lot of different providers out there and everybody's situation is different so at one point in time the one he's on was much better for him than the one my mom was on and you know there's lots of different companies you know we're not naming names but there's everything from United UnitedHealth, UCARE, all of them right? Uh, Humana and so my mom was on one company my dad was on a different one because at that time he suited him but now he needs more help and more care and he would be much better off on a different plan so we're going through that process
1: that's so good um you know as it prompts me to think of a story or a conversation i just had with jeff's parents in passing they mentioned oh they've been on the same plan for years it's just easier to let it keep going yep and you don't stop and think sometimes I mean they're capable of looking at their own plans they're capable of you know they're fully functioning so you don't think about being involved until something happens like one of them has to be in a facility unexpected and just knowing proactively what's what does it look like I mean what a great question that you ask and you thought okay we better look at this yeah
0: and any nursing facility like if you know there's a really great assisted living or full-time care facility memory care facility Uh, in your area with your parents, you can go talk to the head, head of nursing, the director of nursing, and they're more than happy to talk to you because they want you to come to their facility. Whether you end up using them or not, it doesn't matter. They will sit down and you can say, what insurance have you seen that works the best for your patients that might need, my mom is starting to forget, that might need memory care. And they'll tell you, oh, you definitely want this Advantage plan. Or uh, we would recommend these are the ones that are best to work with for our patients. We've had the best luck. So you can ask different people, but ask your financial advisor, because a lot of times they have a team member that can help you with Medicare.
1: Yeah. Uh, my point in bringing that up was it's so easy to just let a, a comment like that be part of just yeah. a my dad wanted
0: to just he goes it's worked fine why would i change it and yep. so we had to convince him
1: that's good yeah so stop listen and say what can i control and when do i need to control this and sure. what's my opportunity because there are periods that we have to look at things and we'll come back to those here so judah um we've summarized a b and d let's summarize c later if that's okay because i've Feel like there's some really rich information that goes along with C. Can you just summarize for us kind of that Medigap, Tony said it a moment ago, since we're on that. Summarize Medicare subs and the what that looks like and uh, anything you want to share with our listeners there.
2: Sure. So I'll kind of describe two distinctive paths, right? So a Medigap, there are also Medicare supplements that's referring to the same thing. There's multiple different types of plan names for them. And they're also they change name based on the state. So for example, in Minnesota, you have select plans with writers in the majority of other states, you have plan F G L M. They get a little more complicated. Whereas in some states like Minnesota, you've got the main basic plan and then you can add what's called writers that will cover different things that will kind of mimic, different plan names like a plan G who's the most generally speaking, the most widely Medigap policy that's purchased around the U S from, from my experience. And they cover a lot, they cover excess charges, which means they're charging more than what Medicare says is a fair price at certain doctors. Um, they cover the part B deductibles that you know or doesn't cover the part B deductible it covers a part a deductible and everything else associated with that plan ends are very similar and there's options in Minnesota that for different select riders you can add so they're very similar but they have you have to pay like copays, doctors visits some people don't mind paying those so again it depends on the consumer the beneficiary which one they want what they're comfortable with Plan F pays pretty much hundred percent of everything. As long as Medicare pays something, the Medigap policy pays whatever's left. So think of a Medicare or a Medigap policy as a supplement to what Medicare pays. So you have to have part A and B of Medicare, generally speaking, to get a Medigap policy. So Medicare supplements complement Medicare. And that's kind of one distinctive path that they can take. Now, most people can't get plan F's anymore. If they're just now aging into Medicare, they kind of phase them out because they realize everybody's just going to go to the doctor if they pay zero dollars every time, which got expensive for Medicare. So that's a basic overview of, you know, Medicare policies or Medigap policies.
1: Yeah, that's good, Judah. And just for sake of time, there's so much good information out there, but I'm going to keep us going because I think that Part C, being able to compare and contrast what you just went through, is really important. And so now take what you just talked about, the Medigap, and contrast that with what a Medicare Advantage policy is.
2: So a Medicare Advantage means essentially you are no longer – using part A and B of Medicare at your doctor at the hospital. You're essentially opting out of using Medicare and you're choosing not to get a Medicare supplement and you're choosing a different path which is kind of like a privatization of Medicare. You're choosing to go instead of with the government's Medicare plan, a personal insurance company, some of the ones that Tony mentioned for example where they are now completely responsible for all the out-of-pocket expenses that will be paid to the hospital and doctor. So it's completely different and you have to choose one path. Either you're choosing original Medicare, that's the A and B, with a Medigap Medicare Supplement Policy, or you're choosing to opt out of that and go directly to private insurance, not using Medicare. The easiest term that like, it helps me conceptually understand a Medicare supplement or a Medicare uh, Gap policy is a little more expensive but it's less restrictive generally there's not networks like there are with a a Medicare Advantage policy whereas a Medicare Advantage it's got a little more restrictions there's a PPO HMO there's networks generally speaking but it doesn't cost as much so it's kind of pay-as-you-go or pay in advance. It just depends on the individual person and their preferences.
0: And the cost can be
2: low with Medicare Advantage plans, right? Yeah, believe it or not, a lot of Medicare Advantage plans are zero premium. Uh, that you you literally don't pay a monthly premium for it. And the way they do that, by the way, is Medicare. The government is subsidizing. They're paying the insurance company to take on that risk of insuring you. So you think, well, getting zero dollars, I'm not paying anything, how do I have good insurance? Well, the government's actually paying them. They're kind of wiping their hands and saying, we're out. But national average, it's somewhere between 50 to 300. Just depends on the policy, the type of medications that are included, the network. They're they're considerably, in my view, more complicated to understand than a Medicare supplement.
0: They are, and that's where a specialist Medicare specialist would come in. I would say, right, Nikki? Yeah,
1: absolutely, and I think that back to that medical insurance conversation we had earlier, same thing is this is very similar. When you talk about the the Medicare Advantage plans, it's built on the same chassis of being private insurance. And so that's where the variables come in. And I think another element that is becoming more popular and actually making the the Medicare Advantage plans popular is all the additional rich benefits that go along with them that people care about today. So it's things from um, like preventative type items such as um, they do, I think, a lot more gamification of things than they they used to where you're earning points for being active and things of that nature, but also adding things in like transportation. That's a big piece as people age and may they, they may not have uh, family and friends that can assist them. Those are some additional benefits that you find in a Medicare Advantage plan that you might not in one of those Medigap plans. Judy, anything to, to add on to that?
2: You know, I, I think that people like bells and whistles and what's nice about Medicare Advantage plans is there are so many plan options that you maybe you want a gym membership, right? Maybe you want the transportation. There's some Medicare Advantage plans that might offer, you know, something like uh, a, a a card to go shopping with. Believe it or not, like grocery shopping. So, it's just a wide range of options, which is why you need a professional to help shop through those and narrow down your needs based on what you really want and what's important to you personally.
1: Yeah, I read an article as I was um, preparing prepping for our our conversation today, and it's from AARP, and it was on their website, but they said that an estimated 42% of Medicare recipients are enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan, and they expect that a majority of beneficiaries may get their medical coverage through one by 2030. So the increased, um, the growing interest in the Medicare Advantage plans Highly because of all these other bells and whistles and things that they need covered or want covered through their their medical insurance, and so. Um, but simultaneously, there are some disadvantages that go along with them, and you've already mentioned it. We're just bringing attention to it is with the. Medicare Advantage plans, you may not know what all of your costs are. Even though you have a cap on your out-of-pocket expenses, your deductibles and some of the moving parts may push your cost up and you're just not quite as certain. So being on a fixed income, you may find more stability in a Medigap-type plan. Sure.
0: But I I think I want to make a quick note. One of the big things my dad's losing is hearing. And my mother-in-law also did hearing, vision, and dental. Are not covered by traditional Medicare and those are the three things that I see seniors needing the most or a lot and so that's where a lot of these either meta uh, an advantage plan or a Medigap plan come into play
2: right Judah yeah so as you go through that and you look at those options if you were to just go to a website like Medicare.gov which is awesome you can shop through these plans but the amount of options is, is just feels like nearly unlimited. I mean, it just depends on the carrier, everything yep. that they're offering. There are so many options for them. It makes it hard to narrow it down. It does. And although it's good to have options, man, just finding the right one can be a real challenge.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get on, before we have to go, let's talk about these enrollment periods. You said we were gonna touch on that, Nikki. Let's
1: absolutely do that. So one of the things I just wanna point out quickly is Of that article, I was reading statistics show that as people age and they're having more critical illness, they actually return back to the traditional plans and potentially having Medigap because of the surety of what's being covered, as well as not needing all these additional bells and whistles as you age. You don't need some of that. So something to point out. Uh, Gosh, I feel like I hate to rush through this, and I know that we're getting close to our 30 minute time slot here, but I think important pieces are A, the initial enrollment period is when you are eligible to enroll for the first time with Medicare. And that's a seven-month period. So look at it this way. It's three months before the month that you turn 65, the month you turn 65, and then three additional months. And so it makes it easy to tally that to that seven-month period. So that's a key piece so that you know when you can enroll in one of these these parts. And then there's also special enrollment periods, and that is where, and that's going to vary a little bit, but it's much like if you have a qualifying event with your medical insurance and you have to change medical insurance. Same thing is applicable here. There's something that has happened in your life. You've quit working and you no longer have group coverage or you have a disability or a plan ceases to exist or something of that nature. It opens up a period. And I think the key piece with this one is that depending on what that qualifying event is also dictates how long that special enrollment period is. So for A and B, it may look like an eight month before there's a penalty and potentially a waiting period before you can enroll. But in a lot of cases it's two months. And so there's so many considerations and variables. The key is a two month is not a very long period. So if you have any question about your coverage and when you should be taking it, get in touch with a professional so that you know that that two month is not ticking down and therefore passing by and now you have a permanent penalty in place.
0: And for open enrollment, well, they call that open enrollment, but the annual election period, if you're already taking Medicare and, like, my dad wants to switch, uh, what are the dates for that? That's uh, until December 7th, right? Yeah,
1: Judah, go through the difference between this annual re- enrollment period, which is October 15th through December 7th, and then also that period that runs January 1 through March 31st.
2: Yeah, those are confusing. And, again, like, this is why you need a professional, right? You need somebody to help you through this process. (laughs) Right. Like just remembering it and recalling it. So the annual enrollment period comes every year. It's the October 15th through December 7th. That's the opportunity. If you have, for example, a Medigap policy and you want to sign up with a Medicare advantage policy, that's the time of year, generally speaking, that you would do that. Or what this time is typically used for is to do two things. It's to switch from one Medicare Advantage plan to another, so maybe another one's offering benefits, the one you have changed, you don't like it anymore, you wanna shop it around and change, that's typically what it's used for. Or number two is to shop your drug plans. So those Part D plans, these networks, these formularies for drugs that they use, they change, generally speaking, year by year. So you have to keep reevaluating your drug plan, the worst thing you could do is just keep what you have and never look and never compare and contrast. So that's the most important. Now the January 1st through the the March 31st, uh, let's say I have a Medicare Advantage and I get to try it out January 1st. And I say, ooh, I really don't like those benefits or I don't like the network. I have a one-time opportunity to switch and say, I didn't want that Medicare Advantage, I don't like it, I wanna opt out of that and I wanna go back to something else. Well, that's an opportunity for you to make that change because you've kind of got a little trial period with that plan and you say, I don't really like it. So that's the main use that I see most people use it for. But you also have an opportunity if you missed part B, maybe signing up for it, you can sign up for part B during that enrollment period as well. So,
0: And that's from what, January 1st to March 31st, right? Yeah, you got it.
1: Judah, I feel like we could do a whole show on enrollment periods and the variations that go along with those. But I know we have to wrap up here. So with that in mind, I'm going to make that announcement and why Judah has been partnering with us. Paladin Financial couldn't be more excited to announced that in 2024, we are now going to offer Medicare and the Medicare Supplement and Advantage Plan. Excellent. So glad to have that. Well, guys, I enjoyed having this time with you. Thank you again for joining us. And if you listeners uh, are are looking for any support on any of this or financial services at, at all, 651-842-8406 or visit us at paladinfinancial.com. Thanks, guys. All right.
0: Yep. That does it for today's episode of Paladin Financial Talk. Thank you so much to Judah Day and Nikki Foley. Thank you for listening to Paladin Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jeff Foley at Paladin Financial. Call 877-219-3199 or visit their website at financialpaladin.com. Advisory services offered through Paladin Wealth LLC, a Minnesota-registered investment advisor. Paladin Wealth LLC offers advisory services under the DBA Paladin Financial and Paladin Wealth. Insurance products and services offered through Paladin Insurance LLC. Paladin Wealth LLC and Paladin Insurance LLC are affiliated companies.
2: All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified... Representatives prior to implementation. We are not affiliated with or enforced by the Social Security Administration, the federal Medicare program, or any other government agency. Calling this number will direct you
0: to a licensed sales agent.